of Andrew Lloyd Webber, everybody, for our entertainment, it came straight from the Bible to teach us. And I'm hoping it's over the next few weeks, it's really going to teach us some things too. I've been rereading it over the last year on and off. Um, and, and I encouraged you last week to go and have a read. I know some of you have, so you'll have the heads up. But it fits in actually perfectly with what God has been saying to us this year about going strong and about who dares wins. It fits in. God has been trying to get our attention, if you hadn't already noticed. <laughs> and he's trying to call us back to himself so that he can then send us out and use us for his glorious purposes. That's the point. But to be his disciples, this is what we've been saying, to stay in lane, to be equipped for the fight, it takes trust, relentless trust. Trust in the goodness of God and trust that he always has a plan. Trusting that all things work together for good, not for everybody. All those who love God and are called according to his purposes. You know, it takes trust, though, to believe that. Is that not coming up? Is that verse not coming up? There it is. It takes trust to believe that, though, when opposition comes. It takes trust to believe that when obstacles appear. It takes trust to believe that when disappointment strikes. And I've said it already this year, but... Measuring how much God loves us and is for us based on whether things are happening to our plan and time scale or how comfortable and happy we are, that is not a great way to measure whether God loves us or not. The Bible is actually littered with stories of those who trusted God and those who didn't. Often the same circumstances, but different responses. And it always, always turned out better for those who trusted God, those who persevered, those who held on, those who kept going and kept believing and kept trusting. I wonder what it takes to make you stop trusting God. I don't know about you, but I don't want to run with the crowd. I want to be like Noah. Despite years of no rain, despite the taunting of the people around him, he trusted God, and he was obedient to build that ark, wasn't he? And he got saved when the floods came. The crowds didn't. I want to be like David. While the army of Israel, was cover they were cowering at this Philistine giant called Goliath. But David trusted God. David, he saw that the odds were against him, but he decided to go for it anyway. And, you know, he won. He defeated Goliath, and he eventually became king. You know, I want to be like Caleb in the Old Testament. So many of the people of Israel, all they did was grumble and moan. They did not trust in God's goodness. They did not trust in his promise, despite so many blessings that he had already bought them. In fact, they wanted to go back to slavery. But Caleb, we read, had a different spirit. And he was like, we can certainly do this. It might look impossible, but God's promised it to us. We can do this. And if you fast forward, it was Caleb and Joshua who got to see the promised land. 
in that generation. Nobody else did. I want to be like Esther. Do you know the story of Esther? When the people of Israel's lives were, were being threatened, she didn't shrink back. She didn't question the goodness of God in that moment. She took a risk. She, she went saying, if I perish, I perish. She thought, maybe I'm here for just a time as this. Maybe that's why I'm here. And she stepped out in faith. She trusted God, and he used her courage to save a nation. I want to be like Peter in the New Testament. He didn't stay safe in the boat with his friends as the storms were raging around them. He saw Jesus out on the waves, and that's where he wanted to be. And so he called out, if it's you, tell me to come to you. And it was Peter who got to experience what it felt like to walk on water. It was Peter, even when he was sinking, he got to discover the strong arms of Jesus saving him. You know, all these, the same circumstances, different responses. And so we come to Joseph. You know, his story gets more airspace in the book of Genesis than anybody else. Twelve chapters from chapter 37, take a little pause in chapter 38 to read a very weird story about one of his brothers, Judah. But then we're straight back into the story in chapter 39, right through to the end of Genesis to chapter 50. He was the 11th son to be born. It all started so promising for Joseph. He, he, he might not have been the first, the eldest. He was the 11th son to be born, but he was certainly the favorite with his father, Jacob. We read now Israel, which was Jacob's name, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. Joseph got special treatment. Joseph got special gifts. He was blessed. He was the favored one. You know, his self-esteem must have been sky high. In fact, he started having dreams about his importance. Dreams that one day he would be a ruler. Dreams that one day even his family would be bowing down to him. And with that level of self-belief <laughs> and being the favored son, what could possibly go wrong? You know, his career path was surely planned out. Fast track to greatness. That's probably what he thought. Well, as we'll discover in the next few weeks, from the age of 17, when he had those dreams, to the age of 30, 13 years, everything went wrong <laughs> for Joseph from a human perspective. Hear that. But God was working his purposes out. God was moving behind the scenes. He was always wanting the best for Joseph. He was always with Joseph. He was working within him to get him to where he needed him to be, to see those dreams fulfilled and a nation saved. You know, despite how it might have looked in the moment, God was always pro-Joseph. And I want us to get this. I really want us to get this. You know, Joseph relentlessly trusted God. He maintained his integrity. He served wholeheartedly wherever he was. You know, if we are going to stay faithful and obedient and on mission, if we are going to get to where God wants us to be, then we need to get this trust issue straight in our minds. That God is 
always pro us too. Always wanting the best for us. Always, always with us. Circumstances come and go. But as we relentlessly trust in his love, as we relentlessly trust in who he is, his goodness, his plans, he will work everything out according to his purpose in our lives too. We need to get this. So over the next few weeks, we're going to see that despite some terrible circumstances, God was always pro-Joseph. We're going to be looking at four PRO things. This is just so that it sticks in your mind a little bit. We'll be learning how, like Joseph, we can trust in God's promise. We're going to be learning how we can trust in God's proximity, that he's there. We're going to be learning how we can trust in God's provision. We're going to be learning how we can trust in God's promotion. This is all about faith in action. Faith that works. No, trust is not something you just believe in your head. I mean, I might trust that this chair can hold me. I might say to you, I I trust that chair can hold me. I believe it. But actually, trust only happens when you exercise it. Trust only happens when you actually do something, when you actually sit down. Now I know. Now I know I can be trusted. So we're going to start this morning with trusting in God's promise. Trusting in God's promise. Do you know what God has promised you? And do you trust him? Do we really believe what he says? I'm looking at some blank faces this morning. Are you ready for this? If we're going to trust in God's promises, there are a few things that we really need to know. Firstly, what are his promises? Let's get that straight in our head first. I mean, if you believe that God has promised you a problem-free life, free of hurt and free of difficulty, if you believe that he promises you wealth, health, and happiness, if you think it's all about favoritism and technicolor gifts, then the moment tough things happen to you is the moment your trust will go out the window. But actually, that is not what God promises anywhere in the Bible. Even for those who know him and love him. Instead, we read things like this from uh, the book of Isaiah. Do not be afraid. I've ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Isn't that amazing? Do you know you belong to God? But, but what about this? When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. What? When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The, fly, the flames will not consume you. It's not a case of if things happen to me. It is a case of when. When. Prepare yourself. We are in a broken world that God is certainly in the process of redeeming, but we haven't reached the end of the story yet. So yes, there will be troubles and trials along the way. But if we trust in the overcoming power of Jesus, then you can be sure that none of it will be pointless or meaningless or wasted ever. You know, some of his promises have already come to pass. Some we can experience in the present. Some are still waiting to be fulfilled in the future. 
You know, the promise that the son of David, the Messiah, a Savior will come, has been fulfilled in Jesus. Amen? The promise that he would bear all our sins in his body on the cross has been fulfilled. Hallelujah. The promise that he would rise from the dead has come true. Let's get excited about the promises of God. But then there are these promises. The promise that he would never leave us or forsake us can be experienced right now. The promise that he hears our prayers. The promise that he loves us despite our sins and failures. That he has adopted us into his family and calls us sons and daughters. The promise that he will fill us with his Holy Spirit. The promise that he will meet all our needs according to his riches in glory. They can all be experienced in the present. And then there are the promises of the the life to come. That he is preparing a home for us. That we will go to heaven when our time here on earth is complete. That we will not get the punishment we deserve. Who likes that promise? That Christ will return. That there will be no more crying, no more suffering, no more pain. That there will be a new heaven and a new earth where we will rule and reign with Jesus. You know, this is the hope that Christians are meant to relentlessly trust in. So there are promises that we can live in immediately, but there are promises that we still have to wait to be fulfilled. We have to know what the promises are in order to trust them, but we also need to be patient. Anybody enjoy being patient? Is a verse from Hebrews 10, 35 to 36. It says, So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need. That is not what we ever want, though, is it? But it's what we need. So that you can continue to do God's will, and then you will receive all that God has promised patient endurance. You know, recently someone gave me some stuff for my, um, for my face. Cleanser, moisturizer. I mean, I'm not usually one of the sort of people to, to bother with all that sort of stuff. But seeing as I got it as a gift, I thought I'd give it a go. And then someone gave me this, uh, this product that is meant to make you look more youthful. Oh. <laughs> Well, I started using it. Do you know, after a few days, I literally could not believe it. I woke up in the morning and I literally had the skin of a teenager covered in spots. (laughs) That is not what I was hoping for. You know, on the label, it promises that it is packed with natural ingredients that help to preserve fresher, healthier looking skin. When I questioned... When I questioned what was going on, here's what I was told. Any new skin routine will take about 12 weeks if you want to see the best results. Three months? I want to see it the same day I use it. How about you? (laughs) But isn't that just like what we're like with God? 
We, we want instant results. We want to see our prayers answered immediately, the moment we pray them. We want proof that the promise is real. And if we don't get the results we want in the time scale we think it should be, then we're not going to trust God. We need to know the promise. We need to be patient. We need to understand that there is always a journey to the promised destination. You know, when we first meet Joseph at 17 years of age, there is a real arrogance of youth. I don't know if you notice that as you read the text. Telling his brothers about his dreams, it did not go down well. And this is what they said to him. You think you'll be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Didn't do himself any favors. You know, just because God has given me a dream, a promise, just because he has promised me something, it doesn't mean that I won't face any obstacle or opposition. I mean, the enemy does not want me to live in the promise of God. And I am likely to have to wait anyway. Because here's the thing, more often than not, God wants to deal with some sort of character development in me. <laughs> he, wants to, he wants to do things in me along the way. He wants to change things in me along the way. Some things he needs me to learn, some skills he needs to train me in. And he needs to develop a faith that is growing. And these things take time. One of the promises that I hear quoted all the time is from Jeremiah 29, verse 11. You might have quoted it yourself, and it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. I mean, that sounds amazing, doesn't it? It's a great promise. It's a promise to hold on to. But we need to read it in context that it was written. It was spoken to the nation of Israel. They had literally just been taken into captivity. They were exiled from their homeland. Life was not good. Here's how that promise actually starts in verse 10. It says, this is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. Then I will come and do all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you. 70 years? before that promise would come to pass? Really? But in the meantime, if you read some more of that text, he's encouraging them to keep on building, to keep on planting, to keep on serving, to seek prosperity for the place where they find themselves. How they responded, how they trusted, would determine their welfare in their place of waiting. You know, Noah, he obediently waited for decades before the rain finally came. Abraham waited 25 years from the time where he was promised a son to seeing that promise fulfilled. Moses waited 40 years before God sent him to, to Egypt. And Joseph waited 13 years before he finally became the second in command over the whole of Egypt. And probably another seven years at least before he was reunited with his brothers who didn't recognize him at all. And they bowed down to him just as that dream 
had promised. Over 20 years from when Joseph first dreamed it. You know, if you don't know the story of Joseph, because of the brothers' jealousy and their hatred of him, they decided they were going to kill him and kill off his dreams. They threw him in a dry well, and they were planning to leave him there to die. But then they saw some traders heading to Egypt, and so instead they sold him into slavery for 20 pieces of silver, where he was promptly sold to a man called Potiphar. (laughs) But Potiphar's wife took a fancy to Joseph, demanding that he sleep with her. And when he resisted her advances, she cried assault. And Joseph was thrown into jail where it's thought he spent the next 10 years. I mean, none of that seems fair, does it? I don't know about you. It certainly didn't look like the dreams that he had as a teenager. And with each passing year, it must have seemed impossible that any of it was ever going to come true. You know, sometimes, sometimes I get a moment of excitement when I realize that I am living out things that, that God promised me when I was 17. But most of the time, it doesn't feel like that. <laughs> I don't know how you find it. Most of the time, it all feels a bit routine and a bit of a struggle. But I'm not called to just follow my dreams. I'm not called to just pursue how I think they should look. The call is to serve God and to follow him. God does not exist to serve my dreams. I exist to serve him. You know, I think sometimes this is where we get it wrong. We, we pursue what we want. We pursue what we think we want. And we expect God to rubber stamp it. And we get disappointed when things don't work out the way we think they should. You know, I believe God gave me a dream when I was Well, back in 2003, and we're now 17 years on from that time, and I'm not sure I've really seen it come to pass yet. I see some of it worked out in what I'm doing here at Kingfisher and down at Treasure Seekers. I see some of it through through the work that I'm involved with at Gloucester City Mission. And, you know, holding on to that dream from 2003 has directed my life. It has helped me make choices about what I do and don't do. And it's certainly taken me, though, in a direction that I wasn't expecting 17 years ago. But along the way, I've had huge moments of disappointment because it doesn't look like how I thought it should. You know, one of the great enemies of trust is disappointment. That sense of sadness that comes from unmet expectations. Do you recognize that? I can get disappointed with myself. I can get disappointed with situations. I can get disappointed with people. You know, we can even get disappointed with God. Disappointment happens when I expected something different to what I got. I imagined a different outcome when I prayed or when I invested in that person or when I took a risk. The danger with disappointment is it can literally disappoint you. It can take you off course. It can remove you from the lane you're meant to be running in. It can stop you actually seeing the promise of God fulfilled in your life. Don't be disappointed. 
I've been so challenged by this recently, and I've been praying, God, I don't want to miss out on all that you have appointed for me to do. God, I choose to trust you. You might not understand this situation. It might feel sad for a moment. I might not understand why things happen the way they do, but I know that you have my best interests at heart. I know that you are for me. I know that you are with me. And I know that you're teaching and training me in the process. That's what I'm trusting. That's what I'm holding on to. And that's been my prayer, really. You know, last week, I had to intentionally turn my heart away from things that were disappointing me because it was taking me down a path I didn't really want to go. And instead, I started thinking about the things that I was thankful for, things that I could see God doing in my life. And I started focusing on those instead. And do you know it changed my mindset? The more I did it, it changed my mindset. And do you know, my faith is intact. That's good. And I'm still going. This works. I'm not saying it's easy to take authority over my thoughts. But it is possible when I trust that God is good and I trust that he always has a plan. You know, I wonder how Joseph felt when he was rejected by his family. I wonder what thoughts went through his mind when he was sold as a slave with all his rights taken away. I wonder how dark it must have been for him when he was falsely accused and he was tried and found guilty and he had no voice. I wonder how disappointed he was with his life during that decade in prison. Every opportunity to feel sorry for himself. To stop trusting God and to lose hope. But this is not what we read in the book of Genesis. Do you know, even without that technicolor coat, he still wore the favor of his father. Even in prison, we read, he became the favored one. <laughs> I think this is amazing. And he ended up helping run the prison and look after the other prisoners. And we read that the warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. Isn't it amazing that he still took care? He still cared. He still gave his best, which tells me that he still had hope, that he still relentlessly trusted God. And we'll be finding out later on in the series what happened next. Because where he was in that moment did not stop God's promise being fulfilled in his life. In fact, maybe it was even because of what he went through that God was able to use him in the powerful way that he did. I want to finish this morning with some verses from Peter's second letter, New Testament, chapter 1, verses 3 to 11. And these verses, they sum up the character of Joseph that was refined during those 13 years of waiting on God's promise. They outline what trust actually looks like in practice. Are you ready? By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises 
These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, make every effort. Just thought that for a second. Make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance. There's those two words again. And patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the warning, though. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is what relentless trust looks like. And this is what we can look forward to as we relentlessly trust in God. Why don't we stand together? I'm going to pray for us. Anybody need some prayer? Father, I know personally it is not always easy to trust you when the circumstances I find myself in do not look like how I think they should. But Lord, I thank you that you are good. I thank you that you always have a plan. I thank you that you work all things out for good. As I love you, as I respond to your call, as I step up to follow you. And Lord, I pray for anybody here who is really struggling right now to trust you. Anybody who's just going through tough times and they are beaten. And Lord, I want to pray for a renewed hope to rise up. Lord, I want to pray for uh, just eyes to be opened. Lord, that we wouldn't be blind and miss this. Lord, that we would see you in the midst of the storm. That we would keep our eyes on you, Jesus. That we wouldn't be distracted by the wind and the waves around us. And Lord, may we know what it feels like to literally walk on water. May we know what it feels like to have your arms lift us up. Lord, may we know what it feels like to have you grow us in faith and use us for your glorious purposes. Lord, I pray that not one of us would miss out on your very best. Lord, help us to trust you. And I pray in Jesus' name the one who gave it all, the one who went through the cross, which looked like it was, he looked defeated at that point. And yet that was his greatest victory for us, that he would die for us, that we could be set free from our sin, set free from guilt and shame. Thank you, Jesus, that you rose again. Thank you that we have that, hot, that promise fulfilled that we hold on to, that death is not the end, that this is not the end of the story. 
And Lord, would you just release your joy, the joy of the Lord, our strength, into each one of us this morning. Amen.